BSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. This is episode 62 with Allison Talavera. Uh, she talked to me about her love of the Joss Whedon-helmed show Firefly, and thus this marks another show of something I should be more familiar with than I am, as I've never seen Firefly, and that's pretty tragic, and I realize that, and I tell Allison that, so I think hopefully that kind of makes up for the fact that I haven't seen it, and I have plans to watch it ASAP. Another fun fact is that Allison marks the first time, or the completion of having a set of married people on my podcast. That's a thing, right? Sure. Uh, you may remember that fairly early on, somewhere in the, I think it's like episode 11, mm, don't quote me on that, I'm not gonna look it up, Al- Alex Talavera did the podcast about Anthony Bourdain, uh, and Allison and Alex were recently back in Chicago for a visit for a wedding and got in touch with the Nerdalogs so that we could spend time with them, because they're our friends, and it was great! And at some point, uh, Alex mentioned that he had been really loving listening to the podcast, and Allison agreed, and then she said that she uh, really wanted to do one on Firefly, and was surprised no one had yet, and I said, what are you doing tonight? And then this happened, and it was great! Uh, And it it, it was such a fun conversation, um... I was a little nervous going in because it is something that I really wanted her to be able to kind of delve into, and I think I did limit her a little bit in that because she knew I was eventually going to watch it, so she didn't want to give up too much plot-wise and theme-wise and uh, wrap-up-wise, I guess, where the show is concerned. Uh, But we did talk a lot about um, how women are portrayed in Joss Whedon properties in general and just kind of in entertainment and how he does it well and uh, for one reason or another better than a lot of other people do. I thought it was really interesting that uh, Allison um, divulged towards the end that she oddly feels like she learned a lot from Joss Whedon about how to write female characters, uh, which I think was really cool and uh, and a nice discovery. Uh, We also talk a lot about... um, how uh, portraying realistic situations and um, character interactions, even in uh, the kind of sci-fi type worlds that he creates, is really satisfying. It's just satisfying for us as people who take in entertainment to see uh, well-developed characters interacting with each other in... uh, realistic ways, regardless of what their surroundings are. So, I think there will be a lot in here for people to uh, relate to, because I'm sure there will be a lot of Firefly Flans, Firefly Flans listening to this. Uh, cool. Man, I feel, uh, I would feel remiss to not, uh, mention the passing of Robin Williams this week, because it's really, really sad. And, uh, I haven't really, um, completely stopped thinking about it over the last couple days. Um, it sucks. And, uh, he's a guy who created a lot of things that we all 
enjoy a lot, and uh, it's sad, and the way that it happened is sad. So, um, the best way I know to react to it is uh, to appreciate the people around you uh, that you love and or work with creatively for a lot of people who listen to this, that applies. Um, because we all need that at one time or another. Not to say that the people around him didn't appreciate him, because I'm sure they did. But, uh, yeah, hug your people and uh, and treat them good. Because uh, if we don't have each other, then what have we got? Um, so, uh, some really quick plugs. This Sunday at the Public House Theater will be the premiere of a pilot that I made with past guests of the show Jesse Stegner and other members of my improv team Reagan Reagan that I frequently mention on the show, a lot of whom have been uh, guests on the show. So if that interests you at all, that's at the Public House at a starting screening at 7 o'clock this Sunday. And also at 7 o'clock this Sunday is Your Stories, hosted by the Nerdalogs, also at the Public House. So, I don't know why I'm plugging two things that happen at the same time, but I'm associated with both of them, and I think they'd both be cool things to go to. So, show up at the Public House at 7, and I guess fucking Russian roulette it to decide which one you go to. The weekend after that will be the Jangle Heart Circus. That's at the Den Theater on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. That is a uh, comedy festival curated and hosted by the proprietors of the Upstairs Gallery here in Chicago. Uh, the Nerdalogs will have a show at 8 o'clock on Saturday of that festival. I'll also be playing with in the set labeled Ladies Love the Upstairs Gallery at 9 o'clock on Thursday. If that's something that floats your boat. Uh, and the weekend after that, for anyone who lives in Seattle who listens to this, which is probably no one, uh, the Nerdalogs will be doing a show associated with uh, and curated by Cards Against Humanity. Uh, we'll be doing that with um, the improvised Star Trek uh, which of which two members have been guests on this show, um, and of course Max Temkin, one of the co-creators of Cards Against Humanity, has also been a guest on the show. So that's one of the reasons I mention it. Just cool things that past guests ha uh, are still doing and that I'm a part of, and they're cool and like you know. If you're there, you can see it. I don't know. Maybe you'll be going to PAX and you didn't know we were doing that show. But also, I don't know, I'm excited about it, and I'll probably talk about it more in future episodes of the show. I'm going to try to wrangle some guests while I'm out there, but we'll see how that actually pans out. Until then, uh, enjoy this. Um, Allison is so, so funny and kind and smart, and the kind of person that you want to watch succeed and associate yourself with and I miss having her in Chicago because I got to watch her perform a lot and it was always a joy and uh this was a really pleasant surprise for me and I think for her as well and um yeah so we got uh we got some good stuff in here and I'm excited for you guys to hear it 
Thanks. Enjoy. I see some some JLAs up here. Oh yeah. Is that, are those some of the things you guys got while you're here? Oh yeah, yeah. So Comics? like, we always go to Chicago Comics, and like Alex already had the first two of those JLA books, uh-huh. and so he's like, let's just round it up. Like I I don't know if you, <laughs> I was telling Joe and Sarah at lunch today. Like I. I almost always have the same girl check me out when I go in. Oh, there, that's so funny! And I can like see the dollar signs in her eyes when we because, go in. Because I always am spending like at least two hundred dollars there. That's so funny. Yeah, because I don't buy. We don't buy trade paperbacks, so like uh-huh. we only buy books, and uh-huh. so those are always expensive. Sure. And I always want to try and get complete sets, especially here because they actually have most of the volumes. Right. Whereas like we've been to comic book stores in Denver and like. It's not the same. That's really not. I Bummer. mean, I'm sure there are good ones there. We just haven't found them yet. But like yeah. the one that we we went to one like over our our anniversary, and it was like really all they had were like really basic like Marvel DC. Oof. Yeah, and I was like, uh, you don't have any of the indie graphic novels that I right. want, right? And and he was like really trying to press these uh, Walking Dead compendiums on us because oh, you could just tell this guy like never makes big sales. Oh. You know, and he's like, I'll give them to you for $100. And we were like, Woof. Mm, we're good. It's not really what you're interested in at all. Yeah. yeah. Man, I guess I don't really think about stuff like that. I feel like you take, that's something that I would take for granted anyway. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't seem like this. I guess this it's uh, the specificity of like tons of comic books well and like the thing is like you can you can almost always find what you want online but oh, I sure. always prefer to shop at actual bookstores yeah. you know why not and it's and especially a place like Chicago Comics that's like local and the people who run it are really cool mm-hmm. you know so I did feel bad like immediately when Eric was like um you guys know I work oh, at a comic book no. store right? and I was like oh god yeah. yeah but it's out in the suburbs yeah. you would have had to figure out how that's to get true. out there that's true so, but, uh, but yeah, I was really glad, like, we stopped in there and, like, got, I got some, a couple volumes of a series that I really like, so. What's that one? Um, Chew? I feel like I've heard mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool series. It's, like, about a guy, uh, who works for the FDA, uh, who, like, he, when he tastes food, he can, like, see where it's been, basically. Interesting! Um, yeah, so, like, it's, like, kind of set, sort of futuristic, where, like, um, there's, you know, like, a ban on, um, chicken, and so, like, chicken is, like, this counterfeit black market, like, <laughs> uh, product, and so, like, the FDA is, like, actually, like, big-time, like, important because uh, they're kidding. because they're enforcing like all of these food Weird. administration rules, and so it's almost like he's an FBI agent. Sort that's of. Like, so that's the interesting. Kind of authority that yeah, they have. And yeah, it's a it's a cool series. The the artwork is really kind of uh, different than a lot of stuff that's out there. And um, Bobby Hoffman was the one who actually got really? me into that series. So, that's so yeah, funny. It's cool. I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people when they think about or hear like comic books would always associate that with superheroes and I feel like that's just not the case no and like the I mean not to do like a super obvious segue into (laughs) a topic of conversation but like Joss Whedon has also like really embraced the comic book medium yeah um not just because he was like a comic book nerd growing Mm -hmm. up but like he found it to be what he thought was a great way to transition from 
having his shows on the air to being able to continue storylines that he wanted to oh, explore. Oh, cool. So, like, after Buffy went off the air, there are still, there's, like, season eight of Buffy is comic books. Um, awesome. And with Firefly, he did um, a number of different books that, like, deal with some of the characters' backstories. That was stuff that should have unfolded on the show that they never got a chance to do. That, like, right. they alluded to, and you're like, I have to know, like, is this what I think it is? Right. You know? And, That's so uh, funny. Yeah, he's found like, and I think it's a great. We just talked about do that. Uh, that is really cool, and and I feel like those we talked about. I talked about this with a, a bit with Sean Kelly last week because uh, um, we were just talking a lot about like the adaptation of comic book stories mm-hmm. into film, yeah, and how it just makes so much more sense to take like one storyline or arc. Mm-hmm. To turn into, especially with these like Marvel superhero movies, oh, yeah. and it seems like when that's happened, it's been more successful than when people try to kind of either like pick and choose or add mm-hmm. non or uh, keep redoing origin stories. Right, it's right. It's like we know how Spider Man yeah. became Spider Man. <laughs> you can't uh, really redo that Sony. in a lot of different ways. Right. So, uh, and he also talked about the Joss Whedon. Um, x-men series mm-hmm. that yep. he did yep. uh very fondly i might add yeah. uh like in a way that uh, when i told him that i don't know how to read comic books because i don't know where to start he was <laughs> like read that series and there was another one that he recommended as well maybe grant morrison's oh. did he do uh he did a, new new x yeah, yeah 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 right right yeah i just yeah. finished buying me so. really yeah. Yeah. that's so yeah. funny yeah i always recommend grant morrison to people who want to like into yeah, and I think um, Eric, the aforementioned Eric Garneau would oh, also yeah. um, <laughs> agree with that sentence, yeah, so <laughs> I guess if I'm going to... If that's... you want to see a lot of great suggestions, Sam Ruth actually did a Facebook post asking people for their suggestions cool. on graphic novels that are not necessarily superhero related. Interesting! I, I've thought he about... like 60 I'm comments. sure he did. Uh... I've thought about doing something like that, too. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get into this because what I have read in the way of graphic novels, I do really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like them... I just rarely feel like I um, make the time to, like, sit down and read books, which is yeah. terrible and makes me feel like a stupid person. I think person. it's hard post-college, to be honest. It, it is. And, and, like, and one of the other things, unfortunately, is that I used to read a lot more when I still commuted via, like, train mm-hmm. and CTA, but now I bike so much, right. and I'm not working out in the suburbs and, like, taking the metro and stuff like that. I read more when that was the case, and then once I cut that, like, commute time out, yeah. it just doesn't happen. I'm, like, really forcing myself to get back into reading actual books now, because basically for the past couple of years, most of what I read was graphic novels. I see, I don't think there's anything so. wrong with that. And I feel like I would my, I would be trying to use that as, like, some sort of gateway drug to try to, like, get myself well, back into reading. Yeah. I mean, and it's a great one. I mean, I totally, I totally firmly believe that, like, graphic novels and comics are their own medium for a reason. Yeah. And, like, there are things in them that don't translate, that don't yeah. translate just to written books and definitely don't translate to film and television. Yeah. And from what, um... From what I've read so far, in and which is like very little, I would totally agree with that. And from what I've heard, I just have so many friends who are so like passionate about comic mm-hmm. books and graphic novels that I'm like, 
I like all of you so much. How can you be wrong about this thing? <laughs> I, what am I missing out on? Yeah. Uh, so, as has already been uh, discussed, my guest today is Allison Talavera, uh, wife of past guest yes. Alex Talavera, who I um, caught while they were visiting for a wedding and couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> and uh, her topic is Firefly. Yay! Uh, because no show. one has claimed it yet, and she <laughs> uh, wanted to before it was gone. Yeah. I really did. <laughs> I was so sure, because, like, of all the people I know here and, like, everyone yeah. who loves Firefly, I was like, man, surely someone has, I'm honestly like, want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised no one's done it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that one surprised me no one's done it yet. No one's done, like, um... Uh, like Game of Thrones, I feel like is something wow. someone should be super definitely duper That's into. A, Alex, when we first started dating, his desktop on his uh, on his computer, like his desktop background, uh-huh. was the map of Westeros, oh, like the yeah. original one that came out with the book series. Right, and I was like, what? Because that was before the, the show. That? Oh yeah, he started reading them when they were first published. Right, so like. He, he was like, oh, it's just, like, awesome early book series. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe Ish. even... Before that. Before that. Interesting. A while ago. Yeah. And he was like, he's one of those people who's like, you don't know the true pain of, like, waiting five years for the Between, next book. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. That's so, so funny. Um... So yeah, you you claimed it. You're the true fan who chose it. I'm All sure. Right. I, I think there even have been other people who've been like, maybe I'll do Firefly, <laughs> and then they'll like land on something else. Yeah, I know that happened with Batman for a couple people. Well, there's like, I mean, I feel like when you're kind of find yourself ensconced in nerd culture, there's like so much that yes. you want to tie. I mean, yes. definitely Buffy was a big one on my list, and like. Uh, X-Men, and Grant, Grant Morrison in general, like, I could go on about him for, like, forever. I would love if someone did that, um, yeah. So, but, uh, sorry, I interrupted. Oh, I was but Firefly is, like, definitely one of the very first experiences I had with, like, figuring out that I was nerdy. Really? Yeah. Cool! So tell like, me about that. In the like, pop culture the... sense. Like, sure. I already, I mean, I was obviously, like, very much, like, a school nerd uh-huh. at that point, but, like... Uh-huh. Um... I totally get that, because I, yeah. I would say that that also is something that I realized at some point, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I would be able to really define, like, when that was. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, like, definitely a later-in-life kind of thing with, like, mm-hmm. being pop-culturally more attuned towards, like, comic books and superheroes and that kind of thing, like, mm-hmm. um, because, and I don't know if it's, like, maybe because I grew up in, like, a mostly female household, mm-hmm. and so, like, I have four older sisters, um, and my mom, and then my parents got divorced when I was in, like, sixth grade, oh. so my sisters and my mom were, like, my biggest influences, mm-hmm. and they are not really into, <laughs> like, sci-fi or fantasy, and, and they're all very, very dorky in their own <laughs> senses, but it's more like on the Shakespeare, you know, like, science fact over science fiction kind of That's arena. so funny. Yeah. So, like... 
I I do really remember like trying to hide the fact of like how much I enjoyed Star Trek when I was a kid right. from them because I watched it with my dad. Uh-huh. I did. I, yeah, I did like a whole year stories about that. I remember like, it and I love it. Yeah, but uh, like my other sisters just like were not interested in it. And the first time I saw Star Wars, I was like, this is like an amazing movie. <laughs> and my mom was like. I could not even finish that movie. Like, <laughs> she, like we were playing a game the other day where, like, one of the answers was C-3PO and R2-D2, and she was like, I think they're robots. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, these yeah. are not the Star Wars fans no. you're looking for. <laughs> no, not at all. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, so, like, they're robots. And all of my friends growing up were very, like, very Christian, um, very conservative, came from, like, very conservative households, so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, some of them to the extent where it was really, like, you couldn't, they didn't read anything that wasn't, you know, Christian-based. Wow, yeah, sure. Reading Harry Potter was, like, sorcery and no dices. Totally, yeah, totally not allowed. So, like, I didn't really discover, like comic books and um yeah like my love of all things Joss Whedon and stuff like that until like I was in basically in college interesting um, yeah because so much of that is such a such an effect of like what your friends were into yeah at the time yeah well and part of it was like I was kind of just like biding my time to get out of Right town, sure like, I, I totally get that. my friends in high school were like they're they're you know really nice people but uh, we just didn't have a lot in common. Yeah, sure. You know, and we just honestly didn't hang out that much outside of school. Oh, so. I absolutely relate to yeah. that. I yeah. have talked about in your stories in the past yeah. of like my transition from going to from my public high school to my math and science high school. Yeah, it's like my public high school friends were super nice and like mm-hmm. we got along a lot and we made each other laugh, but like we didn't hang out outside yeah. of high school yeah. and. Uh, then I got to governor school and was like, oh, all these people are huge nerds. <laughs> yeah. And that's like how college was for me. I was like, cool. well, there are people in this world who like think like me politically right. and socially and uh, right. enjoy like really freaky weird things and vampires. And, yeah. Um, you went to... I went to McAllister College in, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. I've definitely so. heard of McAllister yeah, so, like, one of my, my, like, freshman year, like, McAllister is a thing called your first year course, which is, like, uh, you, like, It's, like, high school 101 for college, or... It's mostly, like, the person, your professor for that course is also your advisor. Oh, cool. And, like, the people in that class with you live on the same dorm floor oh. as you, so it's kind of a way to be, like... It's like homeroom for right. College, if like if you have no if you have nothing else, at least you have this as a home base. Right, and like that's and nice. there's a variety of topics like in all the different departments. So I chose one in the German department because I was majoring in German, uh-huh. and it was like the fantastic in German literature and film, and basically ended up being a whole class about like vampire movies. Cool. So I met a lot of people who were like actually similar to me. Yeah, and, because like, who would also choose that as their yeah first yeah. year class. So like so that's when I really got into like graphic novels and comic books. And that's stuff. awesome. But, but in high school was I was in high school when Firefly aired mm-hmm. um, on TV and. Which, what network was it on? I think it was on Fox, actually. That right. Yeah, which is kind of a surprising yeah. network for that. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on Fox. And um, my mom and I had a deal that uh, 
because my mom was very strict about television and so I was allowed to pick one TV show that I could watch uh-huh. e- each week um, and I had seen the previews for Firefly and I was like wow this show looks so cool yeah like this is gonna be my then like this is gonna be my this show this is the show and then it like got cancelled oh, you know almost immediately bummer yeah so then I like switched to the OC which was such a step down I watched so yeah. much OC when I was oh in high God. school yeah I because I was like well I'm not just giving up TV my one shot at you know maybe being like another teenager something to relate to people yeah. with yeah. <laughs> But, but, like, a big part of the reason it was canceled, uh, which, like, I don't know, maybe other people have talked to you about this or not, like, is that a lot of people who watched it didn't understand what was going on because they aired the episodes out of order. Oh, so, I have yeah. heard about this. So the pilot episode was not the first episode that aired. Why? Um, because the network didn't think it was flashy enough, basically. They were oh, like, no. we want you to your first, like the first scene of the first episode needs to be like crazy action packed and like really like throw people into the world. And so the episode that they aired was uh, the train robbery episode, which was a really cool episode. Like, uh-huh. it featured some really amazing, like, stunts and, uh-huh. uh, like, CGI work and stuff like that. And was very fast-paced. But the world that Joss Whedon had created was so complicated, and the character backstories were, you know, very complex. And it was just, like, really you didn't understand what was happening. That's so bizarre. And, and then so they were like self-defeating. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of doomed from the beginning because they also, like, it was another show where they would, like, switch when it was airing. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's always the mark of the death of a show. Yeah. When they change time Which slots. they basically did, like, after it aired the first episode and everyone who was watching it was like, what is happening? And so the ratings went down and... Uh, yeah, it was like. When Do you I, remember liking it a lot at that point? Still, even though you weren't yeah, like really. I remember liking it a lot, um, just because of the character development. What it was, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, so one of the basic concepts of Firefly that that Joss Whedon had when he was developing it was, you know, the idea, which is a common narrative in sci-fi, like that the Earth was used up and you know humans needed to find other areas to Mm -hmm. colonize and so this sounds vaguely familiar from what i do know about firefly yeah so basically like we're gonna go out and colonize but the concept was that like the last like the two remaining superpowers at that point were the united states and china okay so it's um it's very much like a Western, uh, in the, like yeah. it's, it's very Western influenced, um, like, uh, the concept of like space cowboys uh, and like, uh, Y-I-A-P-I-A. you know, yeah, and then it's like a rough and tumble <laughs> kind of universe. And, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, there's like, in the opening sequence, there's like these like wild horses running and stuff. Um, uh-huh. But also, like, intermixed with Asian cultures. Interesting. Um, Yeah, so, like, all of the characters, you know, can speak Chinese and, like, swear in Chinese. (laughs) Um, And, like, 
uh, this was like more heavy in Serenity the movie, but that like which a lot came of after the show. After that's what I thought. Yeah. Cause it, it was, was it was kind of like it was a it was a little bit of like an appeasement to yeah, some extent. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, it was part of a result of the fact that so many fans were so upset that it got canceled <laughs> and that they had didn't have answers. Yeah, and uh, just the overwhelming like movement for Firefly to come back as a to TV show exist. and at that point Joss was kind of like well was like no network is going to bring it back but also like at, at this point it would make more sense to do a film mm-hmm. um, and so Serenity was like a balance of really giving the fans what they wanted and also like making a film that people who hadn't seen the TV show would still enjoy right um, but there was a you could really see like their interest in like infusing the culture with um, Asian influence. That's that's really cool. Yeah. To make that the, I feel like that simplifies some of the complications of like what does futuristic world that we fucked yeah. up look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like not necessarily uh, one entire entity that right. Well, and like the things. idea that like you know, people are going to have competing interests and, like, competing ideas of what is the best way to run a society that is, at this point, like, spread out among different planets and moons. How, what's the timeline supposed to be? Um, so, like, the, the main protagonist, uh, Nathan Fillion's character, Mal Reynolds, was born in 2468. Okay. So it's like, you know, maybe somewhere 40 to 45 years 25, out from 40. that. Um, yeah. So like 25, you know, 10. Maybe. Yeah. That's um, interesting. That's mm-hmm. so, what a cool, like, you know, 500 years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like that it's, in a lot of ways was a return to right, much yeah. older ideas of like and and which makes Colonizing sense to me. Like and... yeah, that you the guy with the biggest gun. Right. You know Sure. Um, and East versus West, like that's always yeah. been what a, man, yeah. No wonder people like this show yeah. so much. It's it's got a lot of really <laughs> cool concepts. And the thing is like when I was watching it in high school, I really didn't know that much about like Joss's interest in like what would it look like if if China and the U.S. were the remaining superpowers? Uh-huh. Like I, that was something. I yeah, I mean, you later. Said the thing you got into mm-hmm. was characterizations. Oh and yeah, developments. because like at the time, it really wasn't very common to have that large of a cast mm-hmm. for especially for a drama. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Friends formula is something that people talk about all the time. Like you know, writing a show for six main characters and how difficult that is to balance. Sure plots and subplots especially if you don't know if you're gonna have longevity right right and like the the original idea in firefly was to have five main characters and then it expanded to nine wow so the main cast is actually nine characters which is a really big cast and joss intended it to last seven seasons he had seven seasons worth of like Storyline Story, and ideas yeah. and frame, and so like it really probably would have worked, you know, because Over each that. of the characters had you know s- 
such complex backstories and how they knew each other and how they all came to be together at this particular point. Did he use some flashback? You said he was uh, planning Mm -hmm. on kind of outlining some of those backstories in Mm -hmm. future episodes. Did he use some flashbacks in what exists? How much is there? It's just one season. It's uh, in only 11 episodes aired on television. There are 14 episodes on the DVDs. Wow. Gosh. So really, there's not a lot. And honestly, that's like the biggest disappointment in watching it is like when you get to the end, you're like, this oh, is it? would that be all there is? That also uh, makes it even worse that I've never seen it. Yeah. It's just not that much. Like, <laughs> come on, MB. Yeah. Not a commitment. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he does use flashbacks um, primarily for Nathan Fillion and Gina Torres' characters um, because... What's her character's name? Uh, her character's name is Zoe. Okay. Um, and she's kind of like, she's like the Riker to his Picard. She's like his number one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the other like main like conflict, uh, at the center of the Firefly universe is, which again is like a pretty common, um, sci-fi trope, which is that the government, like, entity that in, enforces and rules that the society is called the Alliance. Okay. And there was a war between the Alliance and the people rebelling against them. Gotcha. Um, who are in, like, their, like, colloquial uh, name is the Browncoats. Um, <laughs> so, like, Nathan Fillion and Gina Torres, like, when they, like, are walking around outside and stuff, they always have brown coats on. Um, so, like, they were in the rebel uh, military together. Okay. And, like, she served under him in the military, and they are, they're, like, war buddies, basically. So, like, there's um, flashbacks to, like, their time in the war together, and, like, their experience with fighting, and, like, that's a big part of the character development of Nathan Fillion's character is, like, you know, he very much believed in what he was fighting for, and they lost, and he kind of, like has to live on the outskirts of society now. Because he was, like, a higher... Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're... Basically, what their ship does is, like, move merchandise from (laughs) area to area, and it may be legal, it may be illegal. (laughs) Most of the time, it's illegal. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so they're kind of, like, always running from the law. And, uh... But also, like, a big part of it is that he also just wants to move on. Interesting. And, like, a lot of other people aren't interested in that, you know? Yeah. Like, especially when he does have run-ins with the government, like, they're very much, like, into his identity as a brown coat, and he's like, you know, like, one of his, like, famous lines from the show is, like, the war's over, we're all just people now, or we're all just folks now, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, like, that kind of, like, struggle between, like, his identity as a military leader versus, uh, like, Fighting for something that he believed in. Yeah. Versus, time. like, just wanting to, like, exist and be left alone and just Interesting. do his thing. Yeah. Man, so, there's so many facets. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's, like... It's just surprising how much, actually, they did uncover in 14 episodes. Uh, like It seems like it. How much of the universe you get to see. And, like, then, you know, one of the other, like, major plot points is, like, that two of the people on board are basically, like, stowaways from the government. It's a guy a guy who's hiding his sister. For, she was used for, like, scientific experimentation. Oof. And so, like, 
that's part of the reason they're always hiding from the law is like that he and his sister are basically outlaws and um it's I, it's very inten- it's a very intense show like every episode is very uh is you get all the feels <laughs> yeah i feel like and so um what's the cast what's the breakdown of like males versus females um well it's let's see uh, I'll, I'll just I, I ask because first. I feel like it's pretty evenly balanced. It's probably more male heavy, right? Um, so there's um, Nathan Fillion who plays Captain Mal Reynolds, and then Adam Baldwin that plays his like kind of strong man, okay, um, named Jane. Um, Alan Tudyk is the pilot. I um, thought he was in it too. Yeah, he is phenomenal. Like, yeah, it's such a great role. Um, that guy's so like unsung. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like he's done so many good, funny, like, gr- things. That... I just read an interview with him that was, like... I read yeah. part of that, too, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I didn't read the whole thing is because they talked about Firefly a lot. So oh, yeah. I was like, I didn't really have a good entrance for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's had a lot of really great roles, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, Ron Glass plays um, Shepard Book, who's, like, a Christian... Um, Preacher, Shepherd like, book, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, I mean, he's fantastic, and like, uh, Mal like used to be a Christian, okay. like during the war, and like lost all his faith in God. Wow, and stuff. So like that conflict, interesting, yeah. And then there's Simon Tam, who's the guy who's running from the war with his sister. So there are five men, and then um, four women. So Gina Torres, who plays like the first mate. So mm-hmm. we. Um, and then Summer Glau, who plays River Tam, so she's the sister, the sister. who she's like, um, basically is uh, a genius, but the experimentation that was done on her like leaves her mind fractured. Weird. So she's like pretty like kind of crazy Spy. and dissociative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, Jewel State plays Kaylee, who is the engineer um, on the ship. And then, uh, or the mechanic. I feel like someone recently to me referenced that as like their most, like the most attracted they have ever been to like a fictional character (laughs) or something like that. I can't remember exactly what there is. There's a pretty big following there. It was like some sort of ideal, Mm -hmm. ideal version of a woman Mm -hmm. was like, that was what they said. I'd say definitely in sci-fi. Like she's a very, like, she's extremely attractive but kind of a tomboy uh-huh. and like really like uh you know puts her foot in her mouth a lot uh-huh. and but is like very sensitive and caring sure of know. course she like is she sounds great <laughs> she's fantastic um and then Marina Bakarin uh plays uh Inara who is uh the universe's, like, version of a fancy prostitute, basically. Like, um, they call them companions in that world, but, like, that's also, like, a, like, that, that was a long-running, like, storyline was basically, like, that, that she and, and Nathan Fillion's character, like, are attracted to each other, but he's, like, constantly, like, degrading her line of work and basically Uh, but she's in that universe like the type of companion that she is she's like um like very sought after yeah yeah like a very um like elegant well respected like high in society and Mm -hmm. she has you know 
very beautiful um, clothing and jewelry and she always looks like extremely well put together you know um, and his you know basic concept that's like well you're still a hooker you know? yeah like when yeah, it comes yeah, down sure, to it, people sure. are paying you for sex you're still but. selling yourself yeah yeah i i asked about the the cast breakdown because i feel like um joss whedon in general but maybe even this well no because he has a bunch of other things that are literally like female helmed mm-hmm. projects i feel like he gets a lot of good uh like coverage and clout and things like that for his female characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, he... And I feel like he is, um... One of the few men who's producing and and writing and directing for female leads that very much is able to draw out real real women mm-hmm. like and I don't like that term real women I guess I shouldn't use that but um it's hard but, it, isn't it such a frustrating thing to have to yes. find a good way to talk about yeah yeah, yeah. because like I honestly like all women are real women and I just but, and I hate that you know I I am the one who like brought it up as a topic but I feel like it's it's pertinent and it all it totally is and like especially you know I just I feel like he is capable of really drawing out from his actresses and from his writers like very complex um, strong women who are very good at what they do. That's but, great. But still, you know, have feelings and emotions that that really fit who they are as people. Cool. And, like, that was, like, that's a huge part of why I like Buffy so much. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... That's uh, one of the reasons I love uh, Parks and Recreation so much. Yeah, yeah. I think... I mean... And I think people cite Leslie Nope as, like, a, a good example of a character, just in general, who, like, is good at what she does and enjoys what she does. Yeah. But still has, like, a certain number of faults to make it interesting and human and... And, like, I'd say, like, Gina Torres' character, Zoe, is a a great example of that on the show. Like, she's very much, like, she shoots a gun, she's no-nonsense, like, she doesn't apologize for who she is, but her character is married to Alan Tudyk's character. And so there's also, like, you get to see some of her vulnerabilities, like, in their relationship and in his jealousy of her friendship with Nathan Fillion's character and, like... Uh it's very much like... Yeah, when you were describing their relationship to one another, mm-hmm. I kind of, like, assumed that it wasn't a romantic one, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm sure there's all, there's, like, questions surrounding that. Oh, yeah, like, plenty of people, you know, looking from the outside in would assume that it was, or right. it had been at some point. Right. And, and that's even more, like, interesting and, uh, and like, realistic about, Mm -hmm. like, male and female relationships. It's not always a romantic relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. and even when there is a certain, like, level of closeness there, there's probably arises questions of, like, what exactly is this? But it doesn't necessarily mean... Is this more than just a regular friendship? Right. It's not romantic? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, which, like, Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak deal with all the time. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. uh, and, and, like, and I think that is, a, like, very, uh, like, 
very much uh, part and parcel of like what I like so much about Joss Whedon mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, when it comes down to it, like I I love science fiction as a genre. I love mm-hmm. the escapism of it, and mm-hmm. I love how involved and into the universes you can get. But like I think with really good science fiction, as with any genre of literature or film or television, that the real success in it is if what it's really talking about is just what happens between people, you know? Sure, yeah. And that really is, you know, what... That's very much like what Joss Whedon is about to me, is that he's very interested in dialogues on how people live interact with and how another. they interact with each other and, and how they learn to live with each other and and like and I know I keep going back to Buffy but like that is I saw Firefly before I saw Buffy oh yeah and, yeah and like, you mentioned that right before we started recording yeah so like I didn't really um get into Buffy until college and that's so funny um, and that to me was like there are th- like there are two Joss Whedon uh, television episodes that, to me, actually, like, really spoke to me uh-huh. as a person and, like, uh, and to things that I've experienced as a person. That And one of them was a Firefly episode and one of them was a Buffy episode. Cool. And both of them were really about dealing with grief. And so the episode The Body and Buffy... Yeah, which Mary Z talked about on her episode. Yeah, spoiler alert, Buffy's mom dies. Um, But the whole episode is like, Joss wrote that shortly after his own mother passed away. Man. and uh, So of course it's imbued with like tons of honesty and... Just really raw. And possibly hard to watch without thinking about all of that. Really hard to watch and like... um, I'm really uncomfortable in a lot of ways. I don't know if Mary talked about this, but, like, Joss chose to have no, um, background soundtrack. She did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's no music in the episode, because he didn't want people to feel comforted at all. That is... And music in TV shows is familiar, and it gives you cues as to how you're supposed to feel emotionally. And he was like, I don't want to instruct people on how to feel about grief. But this filming it was kind of his experience with how weird it is to experience somebody's death and like like there's just like this shot where like that just like zooms in on the buttons on the phone that Buffy's holding and it's like, yeah, when you're going through something like that, weird details become important. And he just was really able to capture that in a film extremely well, in my opinion, and like has definitely mirrored a lot of, like, the very strange emotions that you go through that I went through in, like, grieving processes. And then that Firefly episode that I really, to me, like, I, like, everybody has their own personal favorite. Like, some of them are much more comical and, and, That's uh, fun, though. Like, I, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, everyone I talk to usually has, like, their own opinions about what's the best Firefly episode. That's great. Alex and I have different favorites. Like, we've watched the series together probably two or three times. And, uh, um, but my favorite episode is an episode called The Message, um, where uh, Nathan Fillion and Gina Torres' characters um, get shipped a body of a guy that they were in the war with. And it turns out that he's not actually dead. He's, like, involved in this, like, 
um, organ smuggling operation and he's being chased by these like really shady guys and um, there's a lot of flashbacks to the war in it but sure. he's like this young guy who was under Mel's command in the military and um, a lot of it is about you know needing to let go and like um, letting go of your expectations of other people and he does end up dying in the episode wow. and it's very heart-wrenching and uh and the, each of the characters deals with it in their own way and it was also filmed at a point when the producers knew the show was being canceled oh man so um i can't remember if the cast already knew or not but the the producers, produ the did. producers did and the composer for the show also knew and so the music that he wrote for the funeral scene in that episode was his farewell to the show. Oh my gosh, I just and got chills. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of music. And like, I can't watch that episode without like breaking down um, because it's just, it, it's such a very sweet and very sad what way. Which episode is it? Um, I think it's episode 11. Okay, I figured it had to be somewhere around like It's towards the 11. back end, but it's not the very, very end. Um, so, and like... That's, it's so... Yeah. Man, so I have a couple of like unrelated um, tangential things <laughs> where that is concerned. Um, I love uh, when, when those kind of things like bleed into art. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's... It's like you said, like, it, at at its core, it's people interacting with one another. Right. And, like, why... What's the value of ignoring when things like that overlap with what's actually going on? Like, right. uh, when my dad... I remember um, I was pretty young, and my dad and I both did a lot of, uh, like, community theater. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> which, you know, checked awesome. out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but a show that my dad was Hawkeye and MASH. Oh, nice. And this okay. woman who, uh, was like, who I had been around the theater for a long time, who was like very much one of those like theatery mom types and mm -hmm. just absolutely adored me and our family, uh, was moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of it had to do with like some family things and like oh. divorce things. So it was like for kind of sad reasons. Yeah. Um, and she was playing, um, Hot Lips Houlihan. Oh, and at the okay. end of the play version of MASH, uh, Hot Lips leaves the like unit. Okay. And so at the end of the play, they have this like goodbye oh. and but it was like the last night of the play it was real yeah and like yeah. my and both her and my dad cried on stage and oh. I was watching and it was like very sad and mm -hmm. and like because it was just this woman that I cared about a lot and so like when things like that happen it, it I think it's it's just like it reminds us why we get so wrapped up in the in stories like this is because oh, yeah. we have these moments in our lives uh, there's, are you familiar with the Canadian show Slings and Arrows? Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, you should watch all of it. All right. <laughs> it's, there are three seasons. They're all six episodes apiece. Okay. It's one of my favorite shows ever. It's about a Canadian theater company, a uh, Shakespearean theater company. Wow. That does, that's like balancing this line of like 
super being a sellout with like a gift shop and like really shitty productions that people just come to see because it's like the place to go. Right. And like the the head the main character's name is Jeffrey Tennant who is like dreamy dream town like when <laughs> when people watch the show the women because people who like the show are like theater people yeah when theater yeah. people watch the show the women fall for him and the men are like i want to be that yes uh he's that kind of character <laughs> but um in the last season they do king lear oh okay and uh lear uh is like slowly dying over the course <laughs> of the play and over the course of the show uh, like, the actor, uh, it's, like, three layers. Okay. So the actual actor who was playing Lear on the television show was dying. Oh, my God. His character within the show was dying. And they were doing sure King Lear. Saying. So it was, like, and it was the third season of the show. So it was all this stuff that was just, like, wow. oh, my God. So you that watch it, huge. and it's absolutely gut-wrenchingly sad. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, God, Alex and I, uh, we went to a Princess Bride quote-along um, a couple months ago, which was super fun. That's and adorable. like It'd been a long time since I'd seen the movie, and I was like, I kind of want to, you know, brush up on my Princess Bride stuff, because I knew they would be doing quotes, and like, uh-huh. I ended up reading um, an article about Mandy Patinkin, and uh-huh. he was talking about how, um, his dad died right before filming no uh, way. the princess bride of he died of cancer and so um when rob reiner was casting the movie uh he you know like he was interested in manny patinkin and manny patinkin really identified with the character of inigo montoya sure and um when he was filming the episode where he kills oh Christopher gosh. Guest's character, he said, like, he imagined that he was destroying the cancer that oh killed his dad. Gosh. And, like, he's crying in the scene. And, yeah. like, and I told Alex all this, like, before we saw it. And, like, both of us were just, like... When it got to the scene. Yeah, we were just, oh. like, stricken because it... You never it watched really, it like that before. Yeah, I, I never knew that. And, like, the art took on a whole new meaning. Yeah. That I feel like... That I, that I feel like is... It, it makes that... Epi- like, it makes moments like that so special. And, like, yeah. it made that episode of Firefly so special. But also just so sad that, like... To know that people who spend that much time and passion on their craft, like, that it was taken away from them, you know. sucks, so, so man. Early. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I hope it seems like, man, I can't tell if we're getting better at that or worse as a, yeah. like, entertainment society. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of people express the opinion lately that like we're in a golden age of television Mm -hmm. which i think in a lot of ways we are like the Mm -hmm. production values are so high Mm -hmm. and like film actors are turning towards tv yes so you have you know people like halle berry leading a tv show you know right and so in a way i'm like yeah i totally agree like there are shows that get the longevity that they deserve they Uh get the writing that Uh they deserve um but then on the other end of the spectrum, there's just, like, there, there's just the same old 
it's tired. Tropey. Kind of, yeah, like, I just, I, I think in terms of dramas, we're really, we are at, like, the yes. top of the game, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think, I still think there's room for us as, a, you know, entertainment uh, to to be making better TV comedies. But the thing yeah. is, there are good TV comedies. There are, but they're not um, sitcoms. Like, no, um, that's a good point. And I feel like what's happened is that a lot of writers now, like comedy writers, just don't think the sitcom format produces good writing. Yeah. And I like I don't really agree with that. Like uh-huh. I think I think situational comedy can be funny. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I personally think it's really paired best with good character development, which is uh-huh. why I like Pike Porks and Rex so yes. much. Because there is a Life lot does. of situational comedy on that show, but it's really bolstered by character development. Yes. And, um... I, I think, I think we may be in a golden age of character development television shows. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it, there's a lot of focus on character right now, mm-hmm. and it's giving some really good opportunities to actors. Yes. Which is great. But, like... Because when you were talking about uh, liking how large the Firefly cast is and how mm-hmm. fleshed out all those characters are, like, and, you know, that shows from, what, almost ten years ago? Oh, more than now? ten years More than ten ago. years ago now? Yeah. When you think about... More like twelve. Okay. When you think about... I knew it had to be somewhere in the early it was, 2000s. It was either... Yeah, it was somewhere around my junior year of high school. Okay. So. Uh, so when you think about, like, the shows that are really successful now, as far, especially where dramas are concerned, Mm -hmm. but even, like, you know, successful comedies, like Parks, Mm -hmm. uh, and Community, and things like that, um, and Veep, yeah, that's another great example, Mm -hmm. um, the, but if you think about the dramas, it's like, you've got your Mad Men's, and Mm -hmm. you're, like, Orange is the New Black, and these, like, huge cast ensembles, where you know something specific and backstory and, like, fleshed out about all of them. All of them. And yeah. it's, it's taken... I mean, Orange is the New Black is a little bit of an exception because they purposefully separated out, like, yeah, it's a episode to episode, yeah. which is cool. I think it's it's a pretty unique take on a big ensemble cast I think like it's a, a, an especially fantastic way to present women in prison. Yes. Um, you know, as people with stories and, mm-hmm. like... People who you might know, right? You know, like yeah, that. yeah. I I hope it um, brings about um, other shows about women that aren't just like Sex in the City. You know, like oh like, man, I was, I was like just talking about it's this like, with Claire. Why, why did it have yeah. to be like? Well, I, I I love Orange Is New Black. I really mm-hmm. do. Uh, I. It, like, if for nothing else, in that it is, like, very entertaining television. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, did we have to write a show about women in prison to make a show yeah. about a bunch of women? Well, you know what I mean? I th- but I think that's also, like, that's part of the reason that, like, another issue I have with the trends in television right now is that it's very much, like, we have to go there. We have to go to those dark places. Sure. You know, like Breaking Bad. And you end sure. up with a TV show where, like, all of the characters are horrible are, people. Yeah. You know, except for, like, arguably Walter White's son. I mean... Yeah. Perhaps the only innocent yeah. in the entire yeah. show, you know? Sure. And, and even then, pretty annoying kid. Well, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop 
whining so much. But <laughs> but I'm not eating so much breakfast. But I I agree with you that I think we're at a point where that's definitely more appreciated now the concept of a large cast. Like I yes. think shows like Firefly and Arrested Development yeah. like really uh, led the way for that. Yeah, and and, and also were time. not appreciated by yeah, networks. Yeah. You know, like it was at a time when Both like on Fox too. I feel like Firefly aired definitely at a time where there was a huge focus on single character driven TV shows, Mm -hmm. especially comedies. Like Mm -hmm. it was a lot of like, here's this famous person in a comedy where they're playing a different version of themselves, you know, like Wanda Sykes or Bernie Mac. Like, or, like Kevin um, James even. Kevin James, yeah. And like and to me, like what's sad about where we've gone with sitcoms is that it's like Rather than taking what was good about those shows, which is, like, really showcasing hardworking, talented comedians who, like, spent a long time in the trenches. Sure. Um, developing their craft. Instead, what, like, what has remained from those shows is, like, the trope of, like, slobby, uh, like, messy, <laughs> clumsy fool of a man. Right. to, like, a very, like with it, uh, yeah. you know, together but bitchy woman, yeah. you know? And it's like, yeah. is that really as far as we've come? Right. You know? And it's like, it makes, that's what frustrates me when when shows like Firefly are canceled or shows like Buffy are very much relegated to, like, a realm of, like, well, that's a cult it's kind a cult of show. Thing, like, not... it's not valuable. Like, it, it's very frustrating to me to think that the, there are and maybe this is a misconception of mine, but, like, there are probably a lot of people out there who consider, like, girls to be a more valuable example of, like, a female-driven show with, like, you know, quote-unquote real women Mm -hmm. versus, like, Buffy just because Buffy was, like, more in the sci-fi fantasy genre. Yeah. I really like that thought that, like, that... That just because something isn't entirely based in reality mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean that it can't be a representation of, like, what humanity is like. Well, <laughs> or, like, and with, like, what you're saying with Sex in the City, like, to me, it is just as much a fantasy that, uh, yeah. like, four rich white women in New York, like, their only problem is who they're sleeping with. Yeah, you know? that's so funny. As, like, a teenage girl who fights vampires. That's <laughs> you know? so funny. That's just as much of an unreality for my life. Right. As I love that. Sci-fi. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck. No, my life will never be yeah, like those I have nothing. I have nothing in common with those women. Right. You know? I think I've seen maybe two entire episodes of that show and have no desire. No offense to anyone who likes that show. I get it. Like, it's fun. You know, it is a, b- a bunch of women in the cast. But it's like, it's not my bag. I, I've i seen the entire series. Really? As, as part of a deal that I made with a friend. Um, <laughs> that I would watch Second City if she would read Gender Trouble by Judith Butler. That's um, so funny. And, like, and so I've seen the whole series, and, like, there are just... This while you were in college? It was in college, yeah. Because yeah. I was really, really... Because I still think that Sex and the City, partially because of the time when it was made, but also just because of what it is, as a very transphobic um, sure. show. And I had a lot of issues with, like, the sexual politics 
that were promoted in that show. Um, and so I was kind of railing on about it. My friend was like, you haven't even seen all of it. Mm. So I watched all of it, and I was like, there there are some genuinely funny moments sure, in that show. Sure, of course There's there some great acting. There are talented actors yeah, on the show. There are some really talented actors on the show. There's, you know, some moments of really good writing. But overall, it was just like, when I finished it, I, all I could think was like, how is this what most people consider to be, like, the embodiment of, like, female empowerment. Oh, boy. And, and, like, and I feel very similarly about girls, where I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of myself in formerly rich, now, like, currently just flailing. Right. You know, post-college New Yorkers. Right. I... And that part of that is, like, my chip on my shoulder about, like, still the film and television industry, like, celebrating New York as, like, the ultimate sure. milestone in someone's yeah, life. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's funny. I do think, um, I do think it's hard because you want to try, like, I, 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 I appreciate girls. I will agree with you that, like, it's not... What some people are trying to make it into, it's yeah. It, uh, I, I appreciate. I, I don't it. feel like it's like the the female flag for my generation. No, I don't, I don't either. Um, I like. Actually, well, they're all younger than me anyway. So <laughs> I'm part of I mean, I I am like Lena Dunham and I are very close to the same age. Mm-hmm. When I saw Tiny Furniture, I related to it a lot because yeah. I saw it literally months after I graduated from college Mm -hmm. and it was a lot about what she was going to do with her life post-college and moving back in with her parents and Mm -hmm. not wanting to be there and like I saw it like I think a month after I moved to Chicago Mm -hmm. so a month after I moved out from living with my parents (laughs) so like I do think I'm close to that but it's a complete like but I'm not like (laughs) you know going to my parents and asking them for money while yeah. I'm, like, working at a shitty coffee place and, like, barely holding down that job. Like, I, yeah. I, I realize, I recognize I'm a very different person from any of those characters. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, and I think it's, like, and I know a lot of, like, other people who are, consider themselves nerds, like, feel very similarly that it's just very frustrating that, like, one of the defining aspects of like the sci-fi fantasy nerd community is how much people talk about the fact that those genres and like going to um cons where there are other people who are invested in that like is so it is so much about the real problems that people face in their everyday lives and to feel like that's like marginalized more pashad yeah that it's just like looked down on and i mean like there are these episodes of these shows that speak so much to like the kinds of issues that we deal with yeah in modern culture like Mm -hmm. um like there's a buffy episode where a kid brings a gun to school and like you know buffy talks to him at the end of the episode and is basically like you know I get that you think that, like, nobody likes you or, like, that you are a, a freak or whatever. And she's like, but the fact is, like, nobody is even thinking about you. Because, like, everyone down there is so busy worrying Obsessing about themselves. themselves. yeah. And I was like, dude, 
like every high school kid should Needs watch to that. They that. need that. They mm-hmm. need to know that, and it's something that like, and that Firefly is the same way. Where I was like, you know, a lot of the way that people relate to each other on this show, it is the way that adults relate to each other in real life. Yeah. And if they would just, you know, start listening and stop talking so much, like, you could really get through a lot of, like, work through a lot of things. And I think, like, that that is a lot of what permeated with the people who really were Love so upset when it was canceled. Yeah. yeah. Was that it was... A very intelligent, very well packaged way of talking about how people really bummer, man. Yeah, uh, we didn't really talk about Serenity much mm-hmm. at all. Were you oh, like yeah. satisfied by? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I will say like it was kind of it was kind of an appeasement to begin with, so it's hard to be. It was. It's it. It still did not answer questions about some of the characters' backstories, which, like, some of the comic books did, which I appreciated. Is, are all of those written? Is that mm-hmm. something that is, like, a fully... I don't know if they're set? planning on writing anymore uh, right now. Uh, I That would be great if they were. I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like Joss has moved on okay. from that. but um, I just wasn't sure what the, like, timeline yeah. on those was. You know, I don't. I didn't follow them as closely. Like Alex gave them to me as a as a birthday present. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure like what the space was between when they were written and when the show ended. But mm-hmm. versus like when Serenity came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Serenity really. I mean, I it did give. I think it gave me and a lot of other like fans of the show. It did give us closure on a lot of on a lot of things. Like one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle is resolved in the movie, which I don't That's know good. if you've seen the movie or not. But no, I haven't. If I'm going to send you the DVDs of the show, I don't want to like give it away. Yeah. It is, it, it is, <laughs> does make a difference. And, and it's, you know, they had a bigger budget. So yeah, I like, definitely want to watch it. So I would really say, nice. I would say keep this, uh, keep this a spoiler mm-hmm. edition, but, uh, or spoiler free edition, I guess I should say. But Serenity, I, my, I would say like, as with other fans, like, there were aspects of it that, you know, like, certain decisions made about characters that I was, like, totally understood why sure. they occurred, but also was, like, very upset why? that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and mostly it was just, like, that was a great movie that should have been another six seasons Oh, of yeah, TV sure. Show, right, know? right, right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I feel like... I have a very different trajectory, I think, with the show than a lot of people. Like, I... After it got canceled, I didn't know that anything was happening with the fans. Like, there was a whole... Like, there were lots of different fan websites, like, with petitions to bring the shows back, and, like... Do you think it's maybe just because you were still, like, in a high schooler? Definitely, and also just because of the restrictions I had on, like, internet and TV and stuff. Yeah, I thought that might also be a factor as well. So, I had no idea that kind of stuff was going on. And And I feel like that was still pretty early in the, like, fanboy, fangirl being able to access things online type Yeah, I mean, there there were some major fan websites, like, the Brown Coat website was really big, um... And it it was, like, you know, on par with, like, the Veronica Mars kind of stuff that they did. Right. Um, And 
And part of me is like, man, I wish I had known and like could have been involved with that stuff. But it was also like a genuine pleasure to rediscover the show um, in college, which like it was after one of my improv shows. Oh. Someone uh, left a DVD box set of Firefly in their performance space. No way. Yeah. And so I like put up flyers around campus. It was like, hey, did you leave something really important at this show? Like, give me a call. Yeah. And no one ever contacted me, so I was like, "I'm gonna watch all this and keep it." That's crazy. So then I rewatched it, and I like, and I got to see the the episodes that didn't air. I was gonna say, and you saw it in order for the first time, right? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. Huge difference. So we're talking like three years later, four years later, probably three or four years later. Wow. Um, and it like really just reinvigorated like how much I loved the show and how much I and connected with it for different reasons yeah of course uh, and then like propelled me into watching Buffy and Angel and you know so funny yeah so yeah I mean I feel like it was a it was like a catalyst towards me like opening up my well a huge part of my identity that's so great I love that how could that not be something that is still super important to you yeah. after I mean, everything else that's come from that. It is. And it's like every time I watch it, you know, it I can I'm like taken back you to You like think back on it. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's it's really special and I I don't know, I think I wish that more people had seen it when it was available, mm. but it also like God, there's this documentary about Firefly fans. Um that I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not, but like there were interviews with people where like this this middle aged couple like were like in tears over like how upset they were that it had been canceled, oh, like how much it meant to them and how that's much it spoke awesome. to them. And it was just it's What's the documentary called? Gosh. Uh I'll look it up if you can't remember. Maybe it's can't can't stop the signal. Um, oh yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. That's a, like a phrase from Serenity. right. That's um, that's what I figured. Yeah. But I remembered that being something that people would like cite when they were talking about how much the show meant yeah. and how it got canceled yeah. and stuff like that. And like, and it's very to me like the documentary is it's it's similar to like documentaries about Star Trek fans, and uh, you know, like it really reiterates what I have come to understand to be a really common experience in those types of communities, cool. which is that, like, Firefly message boards have, like, brought people together, yeah, you course. know, and, like, then, and a huge community is out there, and, like, that's something that I just never really knew about mm-hmm. until I got involved in this kind of stuff that, like, you always hear people talking about at conventions, they're like, it's just... A huge part of it is just about connecting with people who yeah. care about the same kind of things that you do. Yes, yeah. and man, like I, that's got to be why, like nerd culture and and the the like pop culturey nerd community has kind of like taken hold a little stronger mm-hmm. over the past like decade or so. I oh, would yeah. say is because people can more easily have people that they can talk about stuff that they love this ravenously I think so. with. Yeah. It's like that... how did otherwise it was like just cons and cons aren't even that like old. 
No, and I mean, and the level that cons are at now is like so different, astronomically than how different. They yeah, used to be. and and more like mainstream type things are are like premiering and and there. and like there's a different level of access to the stars uh-huh. and and crew members of, right. of shows. Sure. Like, I mean, the first con that I went to, I met Bucky cast members, and like, but like. I totally imagine I was gonna be one of those people who's like, "Hey, I just really enjoyed your work," right? And like, totally, and I flipped you, out. Like, fangirled I hard, major hardcore fangirl. Also, totally embarrassed myself by not realizing that like they charge for autographs and stuff. So <gasps> oh, being no. like, "I have no money, I can't get your autograph or a picture," Aww. but I'm just gonna shake your hand like five times, you know. Aww. But but there's there's a huge I think, and Buffy was definitely a big part of this I think, and and Firefly like the Firefly cast has been hugely involved with their fan community. That's awesome. And um, like one of, uh, in the movie Serenity, Adam Baldwin's like gun that he like he like his character names his guns, mm-hmm. and the gun that he has in that movie was named after one of the huge Firefly message board fans who ended up passing away. Oh. So they like that was like kind of like a tribute to like and Joss Whedon has also been a huge part of that movement I think to like get to consider the people who work on the shows as much of a part of the community as the people who watch them. That's really cool. And like that they value the same things you know that for a lot of the actors on Firefly it wasn't for sure for Nathan Fillion, like, it was not, and, and Alan Tudyk, like, any interviews you read with the cast members, they're like, this wasn't, like, just a job, you know, Aww. like, we really value what, you know, the ideas behind the show. And, That's like, really cool. The, the community that it created, and the fans who, you know, appreciate what it was about, like, and I think that's a... I think that's something that, like, nerd culture has really grasped a hold of, yeah. that is something that is missing in in other areas of pop culture. Yeah, you know? I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, that I think, I think that's why it's getting so much more popular because people want to be a part of that feeling. Cool. You know? Yeah, I hope, I hope that's awesome also. though to think about. Yeah, the fact that it like the inclusion aspect of it is mm-hmm. it, uh, enticing that doesn't necessarily exist in other. Of course, yeah. of course, that's part well, of like it. the brony. Yeah, it's like totally like I mean it's it's crazy. That's to me. so I mean, yeah. I, I thought of the, I don't watch thought, My Little Pony, but it's a it's also I. a really interesting community of people who like really come together and support each other and like their crazy love of this Super like into cartoon show, you know, cartoon horsey show. <laughs> I thought of that when you mentioned the Firefly fan doc and the like yeah. Star Trek fan doc. Um, cool. This seems like as a good place to, uh, tie, tie it, a ribbon on it all. Um, and please feel free if there's anything else you feel like you'd be remiss to, like, leave out. Gosh, I can't even, I don't know. Specifically so think much, of anything. But I feel like, I feel like going into, like, specifics of episodes would just ruin the experience for you. <laughs> time well, I would, happen. I would hate for that to be the reason that you wouldn't talk <laughs> about something, but... Um, I would love to know how you feel like your love of Firefly has influenced, um, your life in general mm-hmm. and also your life more specifically creatively. Um, I mean, I'd say, like, definitely 
for me, like, Firefly was the gateway towards finding out about myself. Hugely. God, that's awesome. It was was a step towards, like, towards me identifying differently from the rest of my family, which Mm -hmm. we're really close family, and I love my family a lot, but it was a big part of, like, being the youngest person in my family and finding my own things. Especially five siblings. You have four siblings, but there are five of you. Yeah, and they're all, you know, fantastic and wonderful, amazing women, but, Mm -hmm. like... I think embracing that part of my personality that was different from them definitely also is what led me towards improv and comedy. Oh, awesome. Um, because no one else in my family really does comedy. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, that was also, like, a huge part of my re-watching Firefly was occurring at the same time that I was really getting involved getting in improv. Getting into it. Cool. And so I'd say, like... Joss Whedon in general, like, between Buffy and Firefly, like, but especially Firefly, really, um, was a huge writing influence on me when I first started writing, like, and it sounds crazy to be like, I'm a woman, but I kind of, like, learned how to write female characters. (laughs) No, I think that's cool. But, uh, but to me, like, um... And this is, like, such a strange exhibition. Like, Joss Whedon and Quentin Tarantino (laughs) were two pretty big influences on the types of characters that I chose to play in my comedy and the types of characters I like to write for. Uh Uh-huh. Because they are very much focused on backstory Uh and character um, personality and, like, influences on characters. Sure. Instead of plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm really not good at writing for plot at mm-hmm. all, and I've discovered that pretty, pretty for <laughs> sure <laughs> in my writing. Uh, but that's but. also lends itself to good improv too. It's yeah, more I mean, character and relationship based things than trying to plot things out. Yeah, and like, and and they're both very very good storytellers, and uh, I'd say like Firefly definitely is a show that I appreciate a lot for having characters that are extremely complex but very relatable and also not horrible people. Yeah. But you know, like, I think that's a huge trend right now. It is, is yeah. like, you know, like, it's always sunny and Breaking Bad and I, I, uh, girls even to an extent. Like, mm, all oh, these, for sure. All of these people are horribly flawed and also just kind of terrible people. And, and, and not just terrible to people they don't care about, but terrible to the people that they consider their friends. Yeah, yeah, and terrible to themselves. Yeah. And, like, I think that, uh, especially towards, like, the end of my time here in Chicago, like, I very much was interested in exploring darker sides of comedy and, like, characters who were very vulnerable, very messed up people, but still um, loving and lovable. And I, I love that. definitely turned back to um, to Joss Whedon That's awesome. as an influence for that. Cause That's I think, awesome. I think he's one of the best writers at, at writing characters who still love and are loved even though they're really flawed and I think that's something a lot of people identify with you know yeah everyone 
Everyone wants to be loved, man. <laughs> All we need, right? Yeah. I, I, I briefly would say, mm-hmm. like, I think it's, I think people still kind of marvel, oh, God, fuck, no pun intended, <laughs> at the fact that he did that for the Avengers, Avengers. movie. I agree. Like, is that, uh, um, like, I was literally just listening to something where someone was still, uh, like, marveling at the fact that he made, like, something out of the Hulk. Yeah. Like, that... Well, like, in that line from the movie, it's like, you know, I'm always angry, like... Yeah. Like, classic. Classic just so, Like, exactly the kind of thing that, like... And I don't know if he wrote that right. particular line or not, yeah, but, like... Yeah, can know? But Very still, much is, like... He knew that was something that he wanted to be yeah, a part of that character. He wanted to develop that. The, like, the, the other... I mean, like... I don't want to take anything away from any of the other, like, uh, characters and developments and things like that, but we had already kind of, we already kind of knew what everyone else's niche was going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? We know what to expect from Tony Stark at this point. Mm -hmm. We know what to expect. Uh, we knew kind of what, like, uh, Captain America Mm re-entering the world of, like, modern era was going to be like. We know Thor is this dude from another planet. Like, Mm -hmm. we kind of get that, but, like, I think... I maybe it's just because I super love Mark Ruffalo, but like I, I thought, oh, gosh, but I also I thought actually like Agent Coulson was a huge yes. surprising dark horse in that movie too. That like yes, Joss like took a character who probably no one really cared about That's that so much, funny and that made you him say like that. so lovable. Yeah, and, and someone you really like the characters cared about and you cared about, yes. and like and like rode that success into. Agents, Agents of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield. It's so you know? funny that you say that because, and I'm glad you did. I was just listening to an interview with Clark Gregg on The Nerdist, uh, his mm-hmm. second one actually, because I liked his first one so much, because <laughs> uh, he's just such a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, he, this is the guy who plays Agent Coulson, for those who wouldn't be aware of that. But um, he started talking about that, that like when he got the script for the Avengers, everyone was like... Um, man, it's going to be so cool, like, your part in this is, is so important, and, Mm -hmm. and, and he was just like, what? Like, (laughs) but I die, like, no one's going to care. Oh, man. And, and it was just such a testament to what Joss, he, this is like his words, it was just like such a testament to what Joss can do, that like, the, and he, and, again, the fans, because yeah. there's all this like movement online that was like Colson lives and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. all of this like clinging to this character and he even said he was like where it was like I've been relatively minor and mostly kind of annoying like yeah. it was never a character that <laughs> I especially expected. to Tony Stark <laughs> right right it was like never a character that I expected anyone to actually like cling to and for it mm-hmm. to become such a crux of like what brings the Avengers together and to have all the like when he was describing that scene uh in the like or when he was just talking about this I started thinking about the scene in the Avengers and like tearing up because that's what kind of person I am mostly but also that's how good it is it is and it's like it's a thumbprint of Joss and it's really exciting that he was able to be a part of something that's that is so much of a blockbuster yeah. because yeah that's, that's what he should be affecting. And that's what we need more of. Yes, I mean, like, I if, if we're going to continue in this era of, like, large blockbusters, especially based off of comic books and stuff, like, I feel like one of the big successes of the comic book movie um, 
movement, you know, with the arguable exception of Spider-Man <laughs> and whatever's going on with Man of Steel, Superman. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Is, like, how... How it's handled by the directors mm-hmm. and how relatable it can become, mm-hmm. as, and hopefully get more people. You know, in my mind, I know there are a lot of like comic book people who are like, you know, this is our territory. Like, we don't need sure. it to be mainstream. But right. I think like the more people who connect with that kind of medium can only get better. I think you know? so too. I really think so too. And then you you lose that like stigma surrounding it, mm-hmm. which I think is important. You have less people using like. That is a derogatory thing of like, oh, you're into superheroes? What a That's loser. So like, how is that, how is that lame at all? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I never understood that. Yeah, I, I never have and I never will. Anyway. But also, like, the type of people we consider to be superheroes, like. Right. You know. Oh, cool, yeah. Like, you know, Joss, like, a lot of his vehicles, really not about superheroes necessarily, but the people in them have the same qualities, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, not didn't mean to take it off on that tangent once we no, had already no. started wrapping up, but I thought it would be a fun thing to throw in here at yeah. the end. This was so wonderful. Yay! I'm so glad we got a chance to do it. Me and too. It's been so nice to see you and catch up a little today. Yeah, this is really great. And nice. I will, I will mail you this. Oh, this. that would be awesome. Give me your Addy. I will. I absolutely will. Uh, especially if they're not like on Netflix or anything mm-hmm. like that. Actually, it might still be on Netflix. I, I know it was at some point. It so if it is, I uh, I will accept your kindness and say you keep your DVDs. <laughs> we'll uh, check. I'll look on my. Yeah, we'll we'll this. check after mm-hmm. this for sure. Uh, Allison, I love you, and I mean that. I love you. Aww. As they're saying Parks and Rec, I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. <laughs> awesome sauce. I awesome sauce you. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.